If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Congratulations. You just tuned into the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast in the world. This is Mind Pump. All right. In today's episode, we answered four fitness and health questions that were asked by listeners. But the way we open the episode is with a 46-minute intro where we talk about current events. We give our expert opinion, sometimes not expert opinion on things, talk about our lives, and we mention some of our sponsors. Here's a rundown of today's episode. So we open up by talking about Justin's pre-podcast drink. In fact, as you listen to the podcast, you can hear his brain hum and his words become sharper and more brilliant. The wheels move fast. That's because he mixed Organifi's Pure in some water and drank it before we did the podcast. Organifi makes a lot of great uh, plant-based supplements. One of them is Pure. It's a nootropic, so it helps you think sharper and smarter. Go check them out. Go check out all the products and use the Mind Pump discount. Go to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Mind Pump. And then use the code Mind Pump for 20% off. Then we talked about Formula One because Adam's really into it, apparently. Little obsessed. And uh, Monte Carlo told some stories about the time I went to Monte Carlo. Then we talked about Ty Lopez and we bought a bunch of companies that went bankrupt, trying to speculate on what he's going to do with those companies. Then we talked about how Tonal just got 250 million buckaroos, (laughs) that's dollars, uh, in investment money. So we speculated on whether or not that was uh, overpriced. I talk about the Guido diet, probably the most effective diet. Uh, you'll I'm going to try that. You're guaranteed to lose weight. Then we talked about the eight-year-old Girl Scout who sold 32,000 boxes of cookies. What she, a champion. She's going somewhere. Then Justin talked about worms, uh, a 50,000-year-old I don't have worm. them. He doesn't have them. Yeah. Not anymore, at least. Just to put that out there. Then we talked about Oakland's racist uh, UBI policy. Thanks, Oakland. Uh, and then we talked about CBD, the immune system, cannabinoids, and our favorite hemp oil product that makes you feel good which is from one of our sponsors, Ned. You got to try this stuff out. It's full spectrum hemp oil extract. You feel it, all right? If you've tried other CBD products and you're like, I don't even feel anything, try Ned. You actually feel it. Um, And of course, because you listen to Mind Pump, you get a discount. Go to helloned.com. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash Mind Pump. Use the code Mind Pump for 15% off. Then we got into the questions. The first question, this person says, look, I work from home. Uh, it's hard for me to get a lot of steps in during the day. If I only have an hour to work out, should I do it all on resistance training or should I take 15 to 20 minutes of that to do more steps? The next question, this person says, is it better to count daily calories or weekly calories? The third question, this person says, how do I train for aesthetics while staying detached from my body image? And then the final question, this person wants to know if we have any strategies in our personal training businesses to uh, create efficiency through automation. So if you're a trainer, you'll like that last question. Mm-hmm. Also, it's April. That means we have a new promotion. It is getting summer is almost here, everybody. Uh, that means you're gonna want to take your shirt I can off. Feel it. You want to show off your booty, your legs, your arms, your shoulders. You want to look hot and sexy. You got to get fit to do that. Which is why we put some of our most effective workout programs on sale right now. Here's the ones that are on sale. MAPS Anabolic, 50% off. And the Shredded Summer Bundle, which is multiple programs put together, also 50% off. By the way, they come with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Go check them out. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and then use the code APRILSPECIAL with no space for the discount. 
t-shirt time! And it's t-shirt time! Oh, shit, Mozzie, you know it's my favorite time of the week. <laughs> oh, Mozzie. So we have two winners today, uh, one from Apple Podcasts, the other from Facebook. The Apple Podcast winner is Miss Tiff04. From Facebook, we have Lee Dillard. Both of you are winners. And the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Include your shirt size and your shipping address, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Do it, Dillard. Get in there, man. What are you mixing up there? He's going to go... Rock star with Organifi Pure. Oh, dude. Yep. That's going to be an interesting combination. He might there. invent something during the podcast. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> he might. Are you going to see the words come out of my mouth before I even say them? Hopefully. And, and I'll smell them too. And you'll, well, that's, yeah. That's kind of a dig, though, buddy. Ooh. Yeah. Dude, pure with caffeine is a wonderful combination. Yeah. It's, it's a, one of my favorites. It's a balanced and a hyper at the same time. It's like giving your car a driver. It's what? You know what I mean? <laughs> Otherwise, you just have a car. You got somebody to drive it. Wow. Yeah. It's already working. He hasn't even taken it yet. Deep. It's just, hi- that was a haiku. Just being near. <laughs> you know, I've been uh, I've been talking about uh, Formula One so much on the show and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting all kinds of like recommendations and DMs and stuff now. Do you? I didn't know. Um, I think it was in the forum. Somebody said this. Do you know how much uh, Lewis Hamilton, what his salary is, what he makes a year? I have no idea who that is. That's the, like the top driver right now so for Mercedes. So so salary, not endorsements, yeah, salary. Yeah, to his, keep him, it's got to be like in the like a million. Take a guess. I have no idea. You have, Of course you don't. You you have a guess, a million? Yeah. 51 million. Wow. 51 million? A year. Are they the highest paid Ooh. athletes in the world? They must be. I didn't even know that. I well, didn't have. I didn't even know. Now it makes that, sense. That's per year. Yeah. Wow. Is that more than NASCAR? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So I, you know what? What <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's probably one of the most expensive sports in the world. It's uh, there is literally only 20 seats available in the entire world. I so mean, it's just super limited, yeah. super exclusive. Yeah. So, but I, is it a wealthy? Uh, yes. Spectator sport, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Not like wealthy. Obviously, the people driving and stuff. I'm not about those spectators. Like, is it expensive? Well, I've never seen the stats mm. on it. I've never been to one, so I don't know what it costs to to get involved in it. But I, I think it attracts money. I mean, mm. when you look at like Monaco, Singapore, all these places they race. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it draws the yachts yeah. and yeah. the and Ro- Rolex will be in there sponsoring. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, Rolex is all over the tracks and Hublot and like all. I mean, all the big expensive. I, I told brands. you guys about when I went to Monaco once, right? Were you there for that or no? No, no. We just went for a vacation. We were in staying in Nice, which is in uh, in France, and then we took the train to Monaco for a day or two, and it's the most uh, insane money place I've ever been to. Like it's almost cartoonish and ridiculous. Like taxis are top end AMG Mercedes. Uh, <laughs> I saw Lamborghini police cars. You know? Yeah, yeah, a, naturally. A fucking cop car. It's yeah. a Lamborghini. That's so sick. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. The casino. The How ca- many times do they just like you know make up some kind of chase just to just go uh, like as fast as possible? I, I, <laughs> hey, I guess yeah. you need a Lamborghini. Your tags were expired, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you think about, it, yeah. you, you probably need a Lamborghini if everyone else is driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Right. They try to escape. You ain't gonna catch them in your Cutlass. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You need a, a well, Lambo. You gotta go get that they McLaren. Do just, ah. They do just fine in the States. You can't outride, you can't outrun the radio. I know, just get a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. They just you know. got hella money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, I saw- um, It's just a flex. So the casino there was insane. Like you go in this casino, and you have to, first you have to pay to go in the casino. Really? Yeah. So you can't just walk in. And I think they do that for tourists or whatever. And I was watching people. By the way, this is back in. Uh, Ooh, I want to observe like really rich people spending money, dude. <laughs> dude, it's like uh, it's like if you imagine if you saw someone yeah. with hundred dollar bills and they were just wiping their butt with it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what I use for toilet paper. Like, wow, this is how they live, bro. Like, I this is amazing. I, we go in there and I'm watching the people gamble, and I see these you know these older men or whatever, and they're just you know chips like stacks of them, right? Betting them. So I'm like counting the chips. I'm like, wow, that's like. A thousand dollars. That's like two thousand dollars. And then my friend, I was there with Jason, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, he hits me and he goes, Bro, look at the minimum bet on the table. Five thousand euro was the minimum. Yeah, that's crazy. So these guys were betting thirty, forty, fifty thousand euro oh, yeah. a hand. See, that makes me sweat, dude. It'd just be like, oh, oh you bro. watch people just lose it all. This was two thousand this was two thousand six. Yeah. This is also where I saw like uh we went to one of the beaches there. And uh, I'd never seen sand so clean. And I know why. It's because they literally clean it. Mm. And there was like this boat that would go offshore and just kind of go back and forth. And the job of the boat is to clean the ocean <laughs> near, wow. the, near the beach. Oh, really? No, yes. No dude. bum heroin needed. No, bro. Like... You could drink the seawater. It was just so, it was so clean, except wow. if it was salty, right? But, wow. But there was this guy. We were sitting down you know, uh, on the beach, and it was just insane. And there's this like old, overweight, like olive-complected, Dude, you know, laying down, he's got like a gold bunch of gold chains, and he's just sitting there's a big <laughs> belly, and he's in a speedo. Yeah, and so I'm like, you know, I'm telling Jason, like, dude, look at that yeah. guy, like, this is hilarious. That's like, and that's bro, like the guy that's behind every Instagram chick that, that's taking oh, pictures on the boat. Oh, yeah. bro, he had he had three to four like supermodel girls sitting around him, and they were like massaging him, putting stuff on. <laughs> what him. was the and, name? What was the name yeah. of that app? What's it called? Sugar Babies. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, Sugar Babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, I, I remember we were in L. A. and they were they were advertising it on a on a, a billboard. I know. I couldn't believe that. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, I think it was Sugar Babies. Right, Doug. Do you remember? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Don't act like you don't. Like, yeah. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> like you I'm don't subscribed. Do <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> don't put me on blast. Let me see your, me see your phone, guy. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Doug, Doug's not a sugar, sugar daddy. Baby. He's a sugar baby. Speaking of rich guys, do you guys uh, do you follow? Do you know Ty Lopez is? Uh, he's like he's the internet guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, the internet guy with the the books inside of his garage with his Lambos there and like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, known for making all kinds of money e-commerce. Right. He kind of like fell off, like, or he just disappeared for a while. Like, I used to follow him and, and pay attention to some of the stuff he was doing, and I hadn't seen him on social in a while. He popped up this morning in my feed, and I got, I went on his page, and then kind of went back, like, I don't know, the last like month or so because I hadn't seen anything. First of all, he's like jacked. Have you seen him? No. Oh yeah, he's yeah. definitely been lifting some weights. Oh, pull him up, pull him up real quick, Doug. He does not look the same anymore. He's really he's just like yeah, like a like a kind of nerdy, you know, skinny guy. Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely uh, he's jacked now. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, Good yeah. For him. And also, what I thought that why I'm bringing him up that I thought was interesting is uh, he's he's bought like eight companies recently, like acquired Radio Shack and uh, a couple other. Like pull it up. It's in his bio. Uh, the, the, I'm sure you got a good deal. Yeah. 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 No. So. You, oh, that's him now. Yeah. Isn't wow. That, he changed. Yeah. Yeah. Can you go to his? Can you go to his Instagram bio from there, Doug? Do you know how to do that from where you're at? Looks like he's on Maps Anabolic. Yeah. Yeah. Anabolic. yeah. That's what's going on right yeah. there. So I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the strategy here. So he's you know he he did this post I read that said like when everybody's going left go right, and he bought uh he bought all of these these companies like Radio Shack. So there they go. Top 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 Doug. Go ahead. there you go right there. Mm. 
See, wow. Radio Shack, Dress Barn. What are, read that. Can't read them all. Pure One, Models, Steinmart, Linens and Things, now, Franklin Mint. Now, these are all companies that were tanking. Yeah. Aren't these all companies that were going bankrupt and stuff? Yes. Mm. Well, so Radio Shack. Yeah, uh, like Mervyn's. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Kmart. Trying to save everything. So uh, Radio Shack at one point was um, dominant everywhere. Um, and now they're not, probably because they're brick and mortar storefront you know, tech stores that probably got crushed by the internet and by like Apple store. And well, yeah, there's like nothing in Radio Shack that you can't order on Amazon cheaper and faster. Right. So what would you, what do you think he would do? That's uh, what I buy Radio Shack and then make it online. So like, yeah. Use the brand. Uh, yeah. So I imagine that. Update. Bring it into the 21st century. I imagine that those brands have. Uh, so I know, got it for 15 bucks. They have enough contacts mm-hmm. that the contacts alone, if he could, if he could pivot to somehow take the brands online, like maybe I don't know. That's why I'm really curious on what the strategy is. I I just fell across right before we walked in here. I was showing Justin. I was like, "Oh, bro, look at Ty Lopez." Yeah, go online, yeah. Doug, and look up Radio Shack. I'd like to see their website. I'm trying to think of the last time I bought something there. What do you call those walkie talkies? I think it's the last thing yeah, I purchased dude. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, they always have like cool. Like, you know, if you're like, what a name by the way, walkie talkie. <laughs> walkie talkie. Yeah, I like yeah. a sippy drinky. A sippy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what have you named everything like that? So you know? condescending. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, you like my new footy yeah. walkies? Okay, yeah. so they still have a website. And what do they? What do they sell? All the same stuff. Batteries. All the little gadgets, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, where's the stock at right now? I bet the stock is like single digits, right? You know what? If you're a big Ty Lopez fan, it might be a good investment if the stock Which is- Which I am. <laughs> if, it, if, it's, <laughs> if the stock sucks. Yeah. I mean, if it's cheap. It is. I think they're all very cheap. I think they've all- Check it out before I speak too soon here because I don't know I could sure. do Well, didn't uh, Gary Vanderchuk, wasn't he on this uh, for a while? Like he was trying to buy and acquire a bunch of nostalgic type brands- I, I, was he? I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God! It's not even a dollar. What? It's it's point. Was it fourteen cents? Fourteen and a half cents. Well, that mm-hmm. sounds like a decent. Uh, are you sure that's Radio Shack, Doug? It's the only one I know. Okay. So <laughs> that that is a good. It could be a fun gamble. Right. I mean, it well, we could throw a hundred bucks at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, put a thousand, five grand at it, whatever. You got a bunch of shares, and then just leave it and see what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very, you know, Radio Shack as a kid, I have to say, it was one of my top five places to go in. No, it's cool. When yeah. I was a kid, they had all the gadgets. They had, was, yeah, those remote control helicopters, you know, just flying around the store all yeah, the time. I remember uh, that. Yeah, and uh, it was like remember we just talked about sharper image. It was like the, the more like useful that. sharper image. It was like sharper image, except I bought stuff. Yeah, sharper, <laughs> sharper image. I just walked around and didn't do anything. Yeah. Well, sharper image, you walked around and you're like, uh, this is all cool, yeah. but I don't need any of it. Radio Shack had stuff yeah. you need. Mm, right? Yeah. Isn't that the difference? It did. Did you guys, uh, were you guys ever into radio control cars? Yeah, see, look at Doug. I don't Doug's think I needed a laser oh, yeah, pointer big, pen uh, telephone. Yeah, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I yeah. was even as an adult, I have the gas radio, power. Radio? The gas power. Right one. now you have one? It's somewhere in my storage, yeah. Oh, those are awesome. They are awesome. So fun yeah, and are. fast, yeah. but you Only, break it real fast. That's the you? problem. That's the problem. Very similar to my big my big car, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you get that, the high-powered cars like that, you know, there's, there's always little things, and so you have to like tinkering. You know what's fun? I'm not a t- I like to play. Have you guys watched, mm-hmm. speaking of playing, have you guys gone on YouTube and watched these uh, drone races? Yeah. Oh my God, they're awesome. Oh, my yeah. two best friends are in. They it. put, what? 
Yeah, I've told you guys about this. We talked about it. Wait, wait, wait. They actually sign up and race? They they, wear their VR goggles and everything. When it first got popular, I brought up on the podcast like shit four years ago. So they actually sign up and go to the races. I was teasing them because they were giving me a hard time for not getting into it. And I even brought up the the remote control cars. I was like, dude, I got a, you know. yeah, that was a long time. I got an $800 remote control car sitting in a storage somewhere because I thought it would be fun. And we did it for a few weekends. And then it just sits there. I'm like, I'm not going to fall into that same trap with these stupid fucking. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? You made the company buy drones. (laughs) That's different. <laughs> very, very different. Oh, I see the strategy. No, 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 no. Those are racing drones, and that's for all play. At least the company drones. You know, we bro, you try, you try to talk us into getting business a, there. How cool was the video that Justin made when he crashed into the scooter? Okay, Ep- we, we have was, used it a few times. That was see what worth, happens. Yeah, that was worth it right I remember when you tried to convince us to get a, a a float tank in here. I remember. This is what uh, you do, yeah. bro. You get into shit, uh, and then you're like, you know what we need, guys? I mean, I'm still a, a twenty thousand uh, dollar well, float. Tank. I was also in negotiation with somebody idea. that was going to hook it up. Though, so that's different. I would not have spent. I would never spend our money like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, you never bought arcades and put them in the yeah. studio. Well, that's my money. Never. Okay, first of all, and, that's true. And those are a. And by the way, okay, you could get online right now and sell both of those for more money than I paid for. Already went wow. up. Huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. What I got, did you, what I did got you? them for a good deal though. So investments. How much did you make on them? Do you think? Oh, I don't know. They're probably five hundred dollars more each than what I paid for. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's but, not bad. But I mean, they didn't go down, and we've had them, and we could yeah. play with them. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Speaking of going up and down. Bitcoin's climbing up again a little bit, huh? I'm so uh, over watching yeah. that stuff. Why? It's, it's boring, dude. Bitcoin? Yeah. Well, I don't watch it like like <laughs> like a TV show. Yeah. But it's uh, it's going up, and I think it'll keep going up because they keep. Uh, so is this going to be our new world's uh, currency? I, I mean, if we keep you know, if it keeps going this if direction. If we keep creating monopoly money, yeah. there's a new like I don't know how many trillion dollar infrastructure plan they're going to pass. So crazy. Pretty soon, you know. Well, I saw dollars won't even buy you a you know a dollar. Yeah, I saw that uh, Visa like uh, is adopting some sort of like crypto. Really? Uh, yeah. Are they really? Yeah, they're working that into their their system somehow. Oh. Snap. Well, like, I have, that's a big move. That I, is. I have some like crazy stuff that we can probably have, we're more educated and can speculate on. That I read an article on Tonal. Uh, oh yeah, taking mm-hmm. on two hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, you know, they were uh, they were uh, valued at one point six billion dollars. They got now, acquired by Lululemon, right? No, they didn't get acquired. They just took investment on, money. Yeah, they took money. they took on oh. two hundred fifty million dollars at a one point six billion dollar valuation. Um, now. What I want to get into conversation with you guys is, is this overrated, underrated, or properly rated? What do you think? Mm. So here's my fear with uh, Hmm. tech fitness. Tech fitness might get treated like tech in the sense that like new tech tends to get people excited. Mm -hmm. They tend to invest a lot of money. And everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, it's this new, t-, you know, in, in tonal, and you know, it's 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 it looks awesome. You put it on your wall, it gives you workouts, it does all these measurements. So that's the worry. Um, well, do you know well, do you know why it's valued this high? Do you know why it's not because it's the exercise? No, I, I'm assuming it's because of all the right? yeah, they get all the information on people. Yeah, I mean they they are banking on this becoming just like a, a television or a mirror or anything else in your house that becomes every it's like a full entertainment. Just, center, yeah. Well, just it's it will be, but it's fitness based. Well, yeah, it's it's fitness based, but it's becoming something that everybody will have in their home and use it that way, and they'll be able to collect all this data on them. Right? So, so this is what so I it's mean. It's not about like the the exercise thing being revolutionary, like you know, Nordatrack came out. So it's 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 in a different class than mm-hmm. any sort of. And, that, and that's what I mean. That's where my fear is because they're treating it like a tech company because of all this analytics. The mm-hmm. problem is to connect, to collect all those analytics and to make them valuable. 
people have to work out mm-hmm. unless it's got entertainment on its own. In which case, I'd say that's and maybe they do right. They could possibly if they if they get in enough homes. Yeah, like maybe oh, you know, like maybe it teaches you how to cook and you can pull up a chef, yeah. or you can pull or up. Or maybe it becomes also a television too. Like who knows what they could possibly. Well, that's do. a that's a big leap to have. Uh, Agree. You know, like everybody like adopting this into their house like is is a sort of a, a furniture like the standard thing that everybody's sort of incorporating. Uh, I think a. You know, something that would make more sense to me is still with the wearables. I think we've we've gone away from the wearables a bit, but incorporating that with the programming on the TVs. I, I think that, uh, you know, interacting with the, the data and, and being able to visually see it is going to be big. So I, I actually thought I brought this up thinking that maybe we we disagree a little bit. And we can get into a nice little debate, but I'm I'm not only with you guys. I actually think it's it's grossly overrated. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's way overvalued. Great, and, great minds, right? Well, Damn. isn't that weird? I mean, you you, for you, conflict. you well, you bring up the point that I think is is so important here. Like, okay, let's look at all the other platforms that this is all the data is so valuable. Right. Facebook, you know, Netflix, right, you know, computer stuff, anything like stuff th- that you, you people just use binge, a lot. All they the time. binge. Right. Nobody yes. binges they, fitness. Nobody binges fitness. And even the people that do <laughs> use this this tool the the stats show that they're more likely to quit in a few weeks and right. stop using it, and it'll become the something. novelty wears off. So that's the bottleneck with anything fitness related. It's always going to come back to one thing: yeah. is how do we get more people to use it? And this is the most important part: stay consistent. If you can figure that out in the fitness space, mm-hmm. you are now you are crushing. Now you're dominating the world. But if you can't do that. Uh, well, this was Justin it. and I's invention, right? Or yeah. our our idea with the app, with gamifying mm-hmm. fitness, try to get more people to, to use try, it. and that that, I, and I think that's one of the the best angles towards this. But even our idea, it still requires work from people. Yeah, really. and it's still it's, the not novelty aspect. It's is a always big ask. yeah. yeah always. If you if we look historically, the only thing that's ever consistently got people to be active, really, and I hate to say this, but there's only one thing, and that's when people's lives normal lives are organized around activity. And what I mean by that is not necessarily structured activity, but rather you live in a city where it is more advantageous to walk and move and go places. And so you see that quite a bit. People who live in cities way more active than people who live in suburbs. And it's not because people live in cities value fitness more. It's because when you live in San Francisco, it doesn't make sense to drive to the grocery store, drive to this place because it's just it's ridiculous. No parking, it's stupid. You walk, you walk everywhere. And so this is the, this is the only thing historically that's shown how to get massive masses amount of people to be consistent and be active. Yeah. So far we have not been able to break, you know, the, the that problem. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's a very competitive market. I think that it's it's very overvalued. Um I think it's cool. I think it's a mm-hmm. cool tool. Yeah. I do think there is a but I mean, I, I thought NordaTrack is cool. I think Bowflex is cool. Mm-hmm. Like those are all great tools, and they all have this like they have this moment where everyone's like, there was a moment when Bowflex was the shit, right? Was, don't you yeah. remember? There was a moment. Bro, when, how many moments have we seen? Right, I know. Space? That's what I well, mean. Well, that's the thing. It's just trends. They just come and go so much in this industry. Nothing's really like lasted the test of time. Well, other it's than not the foundational things. It's yep. not revolutionary. Yeah, uh-huh. there's not. There, it's not. You're not getting anything that you couldn't do with a set of bands and dumbbells or a barbell, right. either yourself or in a gym. Mm-hmm. So you're you're completely relying on the the cool factor mm-hmm. of that it hangs on your wall and it takes you through it and it's interactive. Yeah, and this is one of the problems that I mean we we tackled as trainers. I talk about this in the resistance training revolution, which is the main issue that when you look at one of the main issues is 
people just no, you got to accept this. People in fitness, you need to accept this. Okay, the average person is not going to work out every day. Okay, that's it. It's not yeah. going to happen. The average person, maybe you can get them if you're good, consistently to work out to have structured exercise two days a week, maybe three, and that's it. That's average if they're doing a good job. So the form of exercise that they choose needs to be effective at two or three days a week. Mm -hmm. And that's why we talk about resistance training so much. I don't know any of the form of exercise that you could consistently see progress at two days a week uh, like resistance training. And that's why that's one of the main reasons why that's the, the form of exercise we preach about so much. I keep waiting to see you know more movement in, in the direction of incentivizing people. So uh, you know in terms of like gathering all this data and having stuff uh, available to people, yeah, great. But where's the big uh, you know pull for, for, for people to uh, you know see dollars in terms of like like lowering their uh, health insurance costs, like uh, you know th their work sort of covering a certain point portion of that, like, I think we could do a much better job of actually incentivizing your average person to even be interested you know in that You know what the direction. problem with that is? is in, now, first off, with insurance, you do get a little better if you have better health parameters. Yeah, but that's but they've tried. generic. You're right. They've tried to come up with, uh, you know, and companies have tried this. Not very said, hard. If you exercise, you'll get this. If you do that, then you, they, get, they get slapped with discriminatory, uh, discrimination by saying, oh, you're discriminating against me because I'm... I don't want to exercise or because you're, you're fat shaming me or whatever. So well, that's, that's one of the stupid. big... Do you think that's really why? A hundred percent. Really? Yes. Wow. If you like, If you had a company and, and you know, by the way, Japan does this. Uh, uh, there's a lot of companies in Japan, you show up in the morning and they do group exercise. Mm -hmm. I, I know this because Doug told me this. this is like one of the cultural things. You try doing that here. You have a company. You tell them, all right, everybody show up at 8 a.m. We're doing 20 minutes of calisthenics. You are going to get people who are going to say, no, you're discriminating me because I can't do it, because I'm I'm overweight, you're fat shaming me. Companies are like, whatever, do the fuck you want. We're wow. not going to do that anymore. Haven't we seen, haven't we seen this with um, uh, car insurance? Aren't there, aren't there some car insurance that now have this, you can sign up for like their app and it like basically tracks your speed yeah. and tracks how, how many miles I you like drive. That. And then it, then it actually gives you a better rate on your insurance based off of it. Isn't, yeah. that, doesn't, isn't that an exist right I, now? I, yeah. I believe so. Similar concept, right? I mean, if you're, you, they show that you don't drive very much, you're a safer driver, you should get a little bit lower insurance. Mm -hmm. I would think the same thing, you should be able to do something similar with health insurance that, oh, it looks like he's checked into the gym yeah. six days this week and he's been doing that consistently so we can... We the, can the, the two things that I think are effective just based off of experience are, do you have good fitness professionals that are working with people? Because those are the only times I've ever seen long-term uh, real success. And then the second one, I'm going to say it again, you need to design cities so that movement becomes a part of everyday life. If you design cities so that it's... If you live in the suburbs... Going You're basically on basically cattle herding. Yeah, everybody. you either go on a walk just to go on a walk, or if you want to get anywhere, you you drive. It doesn't make sense to well, walk to, the, to somewhere. Isn't yeah. there a gym, Justin, that this exists? I know we talked about this before. I thought this was such a, a fascinating idea, and I think it's up north somewhere so in Washington. I is know it what you're talking about. where the the roof is like solar power? Uh, yeah. All the equipment is if you exercise, it generates it's a fully green gym. Yes, yeah. I think that's cool. I always yeah. thought what would be cool is. You could actually run and exercise your membership. Your efforts off. produce something. Yeah, right? if your like energy the to, more to you run work, it. the more you work out, the less you pay. Yeah, like so. Yeah, let's say you have a two hundred dollars membership, but if you actually you could actually 
put enough energy into the gym that it would take you down to zero. Like, how cool would that be? Now, how successful is that? Is that gym? Has it done well? I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't followed up with I don't it. know. I haven't actually looked at I think they looked at this like years ago, yeah, right? It was, a, it was totally a novel idea back then because this is when like tech was really kind of adopting fitness and they're like, oh, what we can do? Like, we'll have these, uh, you know, these special treadmills that you can run and then that's going to power the lights and stuff in the gym. And like they had all these solar uh, panels everywhere that's and stuff. I think it's brilliant. Where do you see where do you see the fault? Like where do you see that it would I don't see people caring. I don't see it working. I don't think people are going to be ever well, if you're really about global warming, you know, efforts like those yeah, people need a, to go in there. A, a lot of people say they are, but look at their well, I know, that's, that's what I mean. That's what I like to say. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would Sh think it would be the money. well, you know, they I don't think they did what I what I was suggesting, which is reduce their their monthly fees because I think that is what would motivate you to do it. There's yeah. there, I, so I've seen these uh like these fit challenges. Have you guys seen these where people say um, if you or trainers who say if you if you hit your goal, your training was free. Yeah, I've seen that before. Now I've, what done, I, I've done that with clients. Now what mm -hmm. I'd like to see though is the long term. Uh, are, are they able to keep it off? Doesn't work very well. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's my point with yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, I, right. It's not very effective long term. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It doesn't work very. Yeah, because well. what the fitness space does is it, it trades. There's a 20 percent of the a population that works out rel relatively consistently. They're constantly fighting over that 20 percent. The 80 percent, like we have yet to really figure out a way. Yeah. To get them to do something on a consistent basis. Well, and I just think that's why we need more competitive ideas out there to try. Well, so when I was a kid, uh, I was I, remember, I don't remember what class it was. It was econ or English. We had to make a commercial with our friends. So did you guys ever do this in school? They're like, make a commercial, produce it, and then we'll watch it and no. grade it. Anyway, uh -uh. we had to make a commercial. And I made, my buddy and I did a diet. We called it the Guido diet. So essentially, <laughs> he was like, you know, we made him, like we stuffed his shirt full of pillows. So he's like an overweight guy or whatever. Uh -huh. And then he signs up and I, I'm i Guido. And I'm like, all right, you're, you know what? And he's like, how am I going to lose weight? I'm like, don't worry, it's going to work. You know? Just a bunch of blended meatballs. No, I'm, it's going to work. You'll lose some weight. Like, all right. And then he closes the door and he, and he goes to his fridge. He opens it and he grabs a donut and he takes a bite. And then I open the door and I kick his ass. And I'm like, every, time, <laughs> every, time you, every time you eat something you're not supposed to, I'm going to kick your ass, you know? I lost 30 pounds in, in one week yeah. with the Guido diet, you know? That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, That's the only thing I can think of that would be effective. You actually get your ass kicked every time. I see. Yeah. Yeah, know? so I'll be watching Tonal and Mir. I'm really curious to see how they Peloton's still kind of holding. You know, went down, and it looks like it's going a little bit back Well, up. they they also... Um, there's there's a uh, that's a like a niche group right yeah there, there's there is a big group of people that love cycling classes yeah, yeah. already right this would be so to me that that's a different almost a different category although the, i would they would be considered as competitors for the same probably the market their market share they're going after i really think uh, one is different than the other i i think and i think peloton has a stronger foothold than tonal mm. tonal is trying to create that 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 group of people that love doing tonal already or mirror where peloton it are there's already huge soul cycle people and people that love cycling class and now you've offered them this ability to do this home and still kind of connect with their friends totally so there's already what a great point there's yeah. already a very strong group of people it's already proven essentially yes, exactly where there isn't like these classes that are being held with these digital tonal things, right. and people are like, "Yes, now I can do it for my house." Yeah, that's so good they're point. trying to prove that. So I, if I had to put my money, it's too on, big of a leap on those two companies. Now, well, tonal's my money is there, right? Now, we have money in Peloton. Yeah, but not so tonal's tonal. not public, right? Obviously, um, so we don't know what their financials look like. But yeah. I wonder if we can see. No, I do. I've, I've, I've really, you I, looked at. Well, I don't know what the, the exact. So don't hold me to that. I, I listened to an interview with the CEO like a year ago. They're, they they run in the red. 
So they're like many other tech companies, right? Yeah. So That's what I mean. I feel like the excitement's they because need to of get the yes. user, a yeah. user base. Yes, mm -hmm. because the user base is growing so rapidly, that's where they get that valuation. So not it's all because, potential. They think yes, it's happen. not because they're generating billions and billions of dollars. They're running in the red. And that's another reason why I think they're so overrated is because this is, an, this is all on speculation. And yes, we're pretty accurate with things like Snapchat and YouTube and all these other, and Instagram, like as far as those valuations You're not go, asking people well, to work well, out. That's the interesting thing thing is like yes they made a, a product but really their their main revenue is the people that are using the product yes so and like they're selling those people and there's a lot different there's a definitely different behaviors around snapchat instagram facebook youtube than there is with tonal yeah. and peloton yeah. and those type of yeah tools. nobody's doing curls on the toilet yeah you're definitely scrolling and, and, through facebook and nobody is literally addicted and spending six to eight hours a day which there's lots of people spending six to eight hours a day on social media platforms that's a yeah. very common very, very, very common. common. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take a left turn here. I just I read an article today uh, about a young lady who, a young girl, who, as a parent, I would be so proud of this kid. Let me tell you about this little girl. So she's an eight year old Girl Scout, and she set the record for selling Girl Scout cookies. You want to you want to guess how many she sold in a single season? Boxes. How many? What's a season? Three Hundreds. months? A month? Two months? I have no year. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what a season is. I'm sure it's. A, Did she get up to the thousand range? Thirty-two thousand boxes. What? Over thirty-two thousand boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Now here's the crazy thing. Somebody needs to hire What does she do? I want to hear. People thought that she got like a big transaction or a big business sponsor to buy from them. Not true. The biggest order placed was a hundred boxes. Wow. She reached thirty-two thousand boxes out of everyone seeing value and buying one box, two boxes, four boxes, and everyone working together to try to be a small piece of a really big puzzle. So this little girl. So okay, tell where me was her honey well? She must have had a mission behind what she was doing, or yeah. she had some sort of a strategy. What was it? Yeah. Just going out we boothed eleven hours straight outside our house and sold five hundred boxes in one day. And it's and her mom, this is her mom. It's Lily being Lily. She does not like somebody telling her something is not possible. Oh, wow. makes me emotional. Wow. You imagine if that was your kid? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, no, dad, I need to win this. That's and incredible. So with one week left in the season, she was at 26,000 boxes. So in one week, she went from 26 to 32,000 in order to break the record. I'm a, oh, so she broke the record. She did. Wow. She's the record holder. And what's crazy about Dang. that, there was no like hack. Like she didn't get into a big company no she said the really? greatest dad isn't like famous and sold a bunch for her <laughs> no dude oh, sold wow. a bunch on ebay you know, you know funny, or remember, this... the, remember the kid like five years ago who, who did who hacked into like sitting in front of the dispensaries i thought that was brilliant too. oh come on dude are you yeah. kidding me yeah that's, uh, that's scary crazy. i thought that was i thought that was brilliant yeah you're gonna sell cookies outside? i thought you were gonna say really? that i thought that's yeah. what it was <laughs> I, I thought it's like oh she got in front of all the dispensaries. you got a free joint with every box of cookies uh, yeah. yeah yeah you're gonna Easily. sell a but i mean if if you're gonna predict a kid's gonna be successful oh i mean that right there yeah how old are you in Girl Scouts? How old is she? She's, She's going to do just fine. Yeah. Eight years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One, I remember my son one one time, he was real young. He must have been six or seven. And this was like one of those moments where you like tear up or whatever. He wanted to sell uh, Kool-Aid to, to people on the block. So I said, sure. You know, and I'm like, I didn't tell him to do anything. I'm like, I want to see where his mind is at. So we yeah. go to the store. How many flavors do you want? And he's like, two. And I'm like, okay. I said, you sure you don't want like five or six flavors? No, he goes, it's too many choices. I want people just to have two. And I'm like, okay. Mm, oh my some thought there. My smart. It's my yeah. kid. It's, I yeah. love this, right? So then we do the whole thing. And then we, you know, I help him set up his little table and everything. I said, how much do you want to sell each glass of Kool-Aid for? And he go, and he's thinking about it. And we had this discussion. He's like a dollar, two dollars. And I'm really trying hard not to direct him in any way, right? Mm -hmm. And then he, something, he said something, one of the most brilliant things he's ever said. He goes, I think I'm going to make it free. 
I'm like, free? I'm like, how are you supposed to make any money with free? He goes, when people get the cup and I ask me how much, I'll say, it's free, but you can give me however much money you want uh, if you like the cup. <laughs> That's the move. So you got this cute little kid telling yeah. you that, and it worked, dude. He of would course. say, people were like, of how course. much? He'll get $5 probably for lemonade. Dude, this one guy, he's like, how much is it? And my son's like, it's free, but you can give me whatever you want. And the dude's like, 20 bucks, you know, 30 bucks. Yeah. He made a hell of money. Like, he had like five people show up. He made like 100 bucks. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's, that's such a good thing. That's, that's a, so good. Yeah, such a good thing to, to dude, do. Dude, I, uh, uh, I, I was reading, um, I think it was a scientific article, but but basically, like I just found out that um, they were able to find uh, in the permafrost these these worms that were fifty thousand something years old. That basically they thawed them out, and immediately after they thawed them out, they started to to eat uh, and come back wow. to life completely. That's so fucked if, up. If it makes if it's true, it, like it makes them the oldest living species that they that they found 50,000 year old worm and it's it was in suspended animation suspended animation yeah oh that's how weird, crazy is it i almost feel like uh, you know i don't know this always takes me down the sci-fi route is, yeah. you know is this going to be okay are yeah we, are we <laughs> well you should look at the picture if, if you zoom in of course it's like know, it's like godzilla it larva. has like these little teeth and it looks like one of those uh, tunneling worms you know from uh, uh, dune or something like that you know, or, or tremors or something. It looks like one of those kind of worms. Yeah. It's freaky. It's going to get inside someone. Yeah. Imagine that into... getting all big and large and, you know, start eating us all. That is wild. You know, they, they, I've heard them say, I've read some articles on permafrost because, uh, you know, because the, the climate is warming up, that a lot of this permafrost is, is melting and they're afraid that there, it may release ancient viruses yes. that our bodies have no resistance and no immunity to, you know, what? hundreds of thousands of years old yeah. viruses that come out and, you know, like next thing you know, <laughs> you know, I always trip out when I hear something at 50,000 years, like how, how do they pinpoint down to that? Like is, is it's carbon dating is how they do that. Right. Is that, is that how they would do I don't know how they do that, that with the worm. Part of it. Yeah, I know. Oh, right? you know what they probably did with the worm is they probably dated the soil around it. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, how are you going to date the worm? That's what I'm saying. Cut it in half, count the rings? <laughs> I have no idea, dude. <laughs> Works for trees? You fucking killed it's it. It's above my pay grade. I just know what I read. Yeah, Adam's always... I'm hella <laughs> skeptical that. about this shit. I am. That's how like, do scientists know this Yeah, bullshit? They're like, yeah, his birthday was uh, really March real. 13th, and it was... <laughs> what the fuck? How do you figure that out? He had a worm birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, 50,000 years old. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's just a bunch of old scientists, nerds, guys, like taking like a random guess. Like, what do you think? And they're yeah. just throwing numbers yeah. out. And they're like, yeah, we'll go with Who's that. Who's going to tell us we're wrong? Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Yeah. Who's going to argue with us? Yeah. I am. Let's I'm going to argue with fishing you. bait. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I know the. Care. I know up until then, or if this is the oldest living species, the uh, the oldest living animal currently, I think, was a, a shark, right? That they found in, in the waters of Greenland. Oh yeah. yeah, someone just shared that with us. It was like hundreds of years old. Two hundred years yeah. old. Yeah. Three hundred years old. It was two or three hundred? Like two sixty eight? I think it's someone, it was. Someone shared it to us, right? Yeah, it was the oldest shark. That's for sure. Dude, isn't that weird? Yeah, that's like great. like yeah, somebody the you know the eighteen hundreds could have like fed this shark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there it is. 272 years old. Wow. Uh, and as much as 512, huh? It, does it still have That's teeth? a nice range. Look at that thing. How did, they, how did they come up with that range? I wonder know. what that shark has seen. Yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. What's the Blood. oldest? What's the oldest thing you guys have ever seen? Like not living, but the oldest. Have you guys been to like Rome or? Oh or yeah, like ruins? in Paris. Like yeah, going to like seeing some of like the churches and things like that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. probably that. Like I mean, how old is Louvre? That's pretty old too, right? The Louvre, the stuff in the museum is yeah. incredibly. I mean, there's stuff in there that's thousands of years old. 
Yeah, so that's probably the oldest. Oh, stuff I was immediately thinking like old growth redwoods, but that's boring. Yeah, yeah. no, that's cool, dude. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's uh, like whatever. It always, uh, uh, nothing, I can literally look at something that's old and stare at it for hours to so just imagine, you know, all the stuff that's been around it and what it's seen and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pretty wild. I yeah. have some uh, controversial stuff that Doug loves for us to talk oh, about. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. He, he always gets excited. Look when at his face. Yeah, no. That's the face of someone <laughs> who's excited. He's <laughs> got, the, he's got <laughs> his finger on the edit button right now. Oh, I just, this is more your wheelhouse, Sal, and so. I just I I want to have this discussion because I'm I'm curious right I just the the strategy and the thought process behind this so this last week uh, uh, Oakland mayor passed this oh uh, God, this deal going. where yeah. he is they're going to give five hundred dollars to fifty percent or people that are fifty percent below the poverty line so people who are poor yes really really poor yeah and I read deeper into this by the way because I kind of mentioned we we mentioned it lightly off air before and then I kind of went down the rabbit hole to kind of read more I think about it's what 500 bucks a month yeah it's 500 bucks a month and it's uh, the idea is that what's that what's that call where the, the UBI no 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 uh, universal, universal basic income. yes yeah, yeah UBI right so uh that's the idea is they're testing that mm-hmm. and they did this I guess a year a couple of years ago in Stockton Stockton tried to do this before too mm-hmm. and now they're trying to do it in addition now I know the the art the headlines that got all the controversy was the uh that it was excluding white people yeah but it, what I read deeper into it, and it doesn't fucking matter, it's going to exclude a ton of people anyways. The math doesn't even make sense. So they've got like private money, and I want to say it was in like 9 or $10 million or something like that. Okay. And when you do the math on how many how many people are 50% below the poverty line, you can't even cover all you know all the minorities, mm. much less the, the white people. But too. one of the criteria is you have to be a minority. Yes, you can't you, be white. You, no. So yeah. if you're a poor white person- You're fucked. Yeah, you don't <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, obviously two you're thoughts on poorer. that. One, uh, that's uh, explicitly uh, racist, So, but we don't need to talk about that because it's obvious. If you're excluded from something explicitly in law yeah. because you're a gender or specific race- that is the definition of, of discrimination. So let's cut that out for a second. Let's just talk about universal basic income. I like universal basic income as a replacement for our current welfare system, not in addition to. I think that's ridiculous. If you add to the current bureaucracy and welfare system, it makes no sense. It's just going to cost way more money, and it's not going to help anybody, really. It may be in the short term, but definitely not in the long term. If you replace welfare, here's why I think it's absolutely it's a it's a better option. First and foremost, people don't realize this, but the bureaucracy that administers and manages welfare, that means all the government agencies and regulation, all that stuff, costs a lot of money. So I don't know what the number is, but just it's something along the lines of for every dollar that goes to someone in welfare, 50 cents goes to pay some person to manage it and administer it. So it's, it's a ridiculous waste of resources. So what I would do is I would cut that, eliminate all of that, and just give people Just go direct to them. Just give them cash. So automatically you reduce, you save a ton of money. It's more efficient. And then the second reason is because I think if we're going to give people money, I think more often than not, there's going to be people who are going to spend, because people need to be able to spend it the way they want to. And sure, some people are going to spend it on stupid shit, but there are going to be some people who take it and invest it in business pay for their kid's school, pay for their education, and they're going to have a better opportunity to lift themselves out of poverty. Now, in theory, this sounds like a pretty good idea, but the more I think about it, it doesn't make that much sense because 
if you gave everybody $500 to it, I mean, everybody, so UBI, right? So mm-hmm. everybody- Well, the way I would do it would be like a, a negative income tax. Ah. So you, you the, it, it, down a certain level, then you start to get money. Okay. Not everybody. Not everybody. No, it doesn't make sense to give you yeah, know, that wouldn't make Elon Musk, uh, you know, UBI. Okay, so then, so then only at a certain income level they get it. But yeah. now, wouldn't that inevitably bring up Milk and gas and everything. You mean for inflation? Yeah. Um, not any more than in the current welfare system. If anything, it would probably uh, reduce it a little bit because, like I said, the wasteful uh, the, the wasteful aspects of it. Um, yeah, inflation is always an issue. Um, but if we take it from uh, money that we've collected, it's not going to be as inflationary. Now, if we print money, that's when it gets really inflationary. But if it's collected through taxes, so with the negative income tax, the people paying the tax on it would pay for the people receiving it. One of the drawbacks with it is is the same drawback you get with any system like that, which is you you may incentivize people to never take care of themselves. And this is actually statistically true in many cases. You see generations of people mm-hmm. who you, you, they lose their sense of meaning and purpose and they just collect their check and then it, it just, they never lift themselves out uh, of poverty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we saw this, we saw this huge reduction in poverty until we implemented the great, you know, like war on poverty. Uh, this was a thing that happened decades ago, and then poverty stuck. It kind of stuck and really didn't change yeah. uh, after a while. But yeah, it saves money, which is why I like it, and I think it gives people more freedom. So I know that there's some people who are poor who, if you give them a check, instead of telling them we're going to give you some discounts in housing, some food stamp, some right. people will take that money and go and spend it wisely for themselves because they know how to spend it better than for themselves, better than anybody else. Yeah. And then they'll lift themselves. That, that would be, that's my theory around the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm totally on board with that. I think that's, you know, that would be a great way to, to see, like uh, the only thing is, is having a structured kind of plan for them to transition into like, it, I don't know. I guess I was thinking of uh, something I saw with, with the homeless community where there was a program where they actually had like a couple steps involved where, you know, you get a certain amount, you know, per week, you get a, you get housing. And then if you show your efforts in a direction, you get job interviews, you, they kind of like level it out and tear it out. So that way it kind of reintroduces you into society. Um, I don't know that, you know, just giving money without any kind of program or plan, uh, you know, we'll see like what that would do. So now obviously the amount of people below poverty, uh, because our population is rapidly growing, mm-hmm. that would, it'd be obvious that is also by person growing too, right? So person to person, but percentage wise, that's what I want to know. Flat, it's about the same. It's, it's, it's not, it's about the same. Now, if you look at their real purchasing power. Um, they're, they have increased in wealth uh, as well. All levels have increased in wealth. So somebody today uh, in poverty has way more than somebody, uh, has way more purchasing power with what they have well, I mean, it than was somebody ju- 30 years it ago. It was just a decade or two ago when you would have to be rich to own a flat screen TV. Right, so innovation has done that. to have you know, a cell phone where uh, you, know, you see you know, people- Hey, if somebody right now in lower middle class has more stuff than, <laughs> than, uh, the, than Genghis Khan did or the emperor of Rome did mm-hmm. because it didn't exist. Innovation has made these things available to people to where- um, you know, you, you, you're, you're obviously, you know, in context, you're lower middle class, but you're still way better off than someone was 30, 40 years ago. Mm. But yeah, back to what you're saying, uh, Justin, that's always the, the drawback. However, you know what gets in the way of that? Uh, laws that, that actually tell companies and people that they can't pay people less than a certain amount because you, I know, it's so frustrating. you price them out. You know, yeah. if, if the minimum wage is $10, 
and somebody's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn my life around. I got no skills. Got a prison record. Exactly. I was gonna say this is where like ex-cons have such a, a difficult time, like even living outside of being in prison. Yeah. So you're gonna go to a job and you're competing for ten or fifteen dollars an hour. That company has really no incentive to hire you, give you a chance. But if you go there and you say, look, I know everybody right now is asking for 10. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for five. Mm-hmm. Now the company's like, oh, you know what? Let's see what yeah. happens. And then you start to build yeah, we'll experience. Give you a shot. You yes, yeah. yes. And it gives them that opportunity. So that's one of the things that you know kind of annoys me. I would like to see a lot more. Yeah. Speaking of cool stuff, uh, some studies came out on CBD showing that it improved cognition in people with Alzheimer's and it reduced the amyloid plaque a buildup that is one of the, the things that causes wow. the issues with Alzheimer's. So CBD and cannabinoids in particular um, may be a treatment. Now, you've been following this space for a really long time. Are you seeing the amount of research just like, is it rapidly growing? Dude, it's I feel like you, you mentioned CBD stuff now, like studies that are coming out. You know, here's the thing. And are they way better than what they were just five, ten a- years ago? Absolutely. You know, here's one of the wonderful things about uh, cannabinoids, um, and, and there's a lot of them, by the way. It's not just CBD. You know, that's why if you ever use a cannabinoid product, you want to get something that's what they'll call full spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the whole plant because they all work better together. You don't want to isolate one because you really minimize the potential uh, benefits. You want something that has them all. But the studies are are remarkable, and really, if you want to think about it this way, I've heard it explained by uh, some some scientists in the field. I thought this was a brilliant explanation. The cannabinoid system is like a light dimmer switch. Okay, so a light you turn it on or off, so it's bright or it's dark. What cannabinoids do is they activate this system in the body that will dim the light or turn it up. So what does that mean? That means if you have uh, an autoimmune disorder. Uh, let's say you have Crohn's disease where your own immune system is hyper reactive and attacking itself, then it would dim the immune system a little bit to prevent this from happening. So now when you, when you say that, so I have an autoimmune, right? My, my psoriasis mm -hmm. is considered an autoimmune. I know certain things flare it up. Like say if I eat excessive amounts of sugar or dairy or uh, gluten, so are you saying to me that theoretically I should be able to say I did one of those things that would 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 offend that, right? Mm-hmm. If I took like, you know, the full spectrum hemp with that, it should mitigate it. It should be less it should be less bad on my so I should see less of a flare up because P- of that? Potentially, but it's more of a long term effect. So it'd be like if you're using it on a relatively regular basis. Oh, because there's a buildup. Yeah. So okay. it's not like a acute effect. There is an acute effect. If you take C B D you do feel chill, relaxed, all that stuff. But then over time you start to see uh these kinds of effects. Right. I was going to ask you in terms of like in the study, was it uh, real high concentrated doses or was this over a long period of time with just, you know, kind of regular doses? You know, that's a good question. I should look that up. I do know that uh, CBD in a lot of these studies is used at pretty high doses, you know, yeah. 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams. Uh, very safe uh, for most people. Very, very safe for most people. It can affect how your liver processes certain drugs. Mm-hmm. So you might want to make sure if you're on other medications. Uh, if it's not going to, you know, change the half life or whatever they call it of the of the medication, but yeah, I'll look that up and I'll 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 get that uh, that that number for you. But yeah, it's remarkable because uh, you know we're dealing with a lot of chronic shit in modern societies, and the medicines that we create are just like symptom control. Yeah. You know, nothing really. Like I was saying with the immune system, 
people with you know immune systems that are depressed, they show that CBD ramps it up. So it's like it balances you well, out. This is what's so promising about you know that space and also with mushrooms as well. Like they have these sort of adaptogenic type properties where they can they can work you know uh, you know in tandem with with certain medications and other treatments that you're doing. Yeah, I remember years ago when I was really getting into this. Um, I remember thinking how bullshit it sounded. Like oh, so cannabinoids help everything. Like that sounds like. <laughs> Snake oil. Totally. But when you look at the receptors that it attaches to, they're one of the most abundant in the in the body. They're found everywhere. Right. And so if it's like a light dimmer switch for the whole body, right. well, then it's going to balance things out. So this is why if you take you know people's experience, for example, we work with a company called Ned and they have the, the hemp oil. The messages I'll get from people range from it chills me out to it gives me energy. And you think, how is that possible? Yeah. Because it's that balancing thing. So it just makes you feel better. And if that means you need a little more energy or if that means you need to be a little more relaxed, then you'll probably get, you know, what you're kind of looking for. Very interesting. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from M. Lou Weber. Working from home, getting steps in is much more of a challenge. If I have an hour at the gym, should I lift the entire time or sacrifice 15 to 20 minutes to get some steps in for the day? What serves me more? Mm, okay, so they both have value. Oh, um, the weights are going to serve you more. Yeah, if you had to pick one, pick the resistance training. You're still being active while doing the resistance training, but you're also simultaneously sending a very beneficial adaptation signal to the body, which is build muscle, which burns more calories, makes you more insulin sensitive, balances out your hormones more. It's just going to serve you better. Now, that being said, uh, you should do that and add steps if possible because well, being yeah. active is just good. The only way I see this this question even makes sense is if somebody's like on this like very strict time restraint, right. right? Like they have, they have lunch. They have a lunch break, and that's when they normally work yeah. out, and so it's like 12 to 1. That's, they have to get in and get out. Uh, if, if, I'm, if I have – and I've had clients like this. So they're, they follow – a resistance training program in that window. And then I try and get them to, hey, when you get home from work, how about go for, before you just stop your day, mm -hmm. go for a half hour walk mm -hmm. or extend your walk with your dog or, you know, walk with park, your spouse. Park really far away and like yeah. have more strategies that you can implement where it promotes more activity in, in different parts of your day. Yeah, because I, would, I, would, I wouldn't ever allow a client give me the uh, either or. Like it's yeah. like, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to do that. Which one? I'm only going to do one. It's like, no, that they both should be in your lifestyle. Yeah, so I actually had a few clients like this. They were executives and they were very like, no, I only have time to come see you and then the rest of the time I'm at my desk and that's it. And I actually did a couple experiments with them and I said, let's try something. I said, let's try something because, and they were very science heavy kind of people. So I pulled up studies to show that productivity improves through activity. So I said, you're obviously very serious about your job. I said, let's do a test. Here's what I want you to do. Every hour, take a 10 minute activity break. So every hour, take 10 minutes and just go for a walk. Walk the office, walk around outside. At the end of the day, see if you've been more productive or less productive and how do you feel? And every single person that did this said that they got more done, they were more creative and they had a better day at work. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because taking the time out to do that, you think I'm losing that that time, but the reality is you get you know more time in terms of productivity and creativity. Because when you're working, it's not about, 
I mean, we've, we, you know, we've all owned companies. I don't care how many hours you clock in. I, I care about what you did. That's right. You right? know, so yeah, if, the outcome. Yeah. So you eight hours, but you did one hour work worth of work. You're fired. Isn't there, a, there's a, there's a study they did on that, right? Didn't they do a, a I don't know if it was a survey or an actual study of like uh, the average eight hour person that works. Yeah. Uh, the amount of productivity is Dude, actually like, yeah, two, I wonder what that, the average of like how long you can, you can. You keep your focus on one specific thing. That's why you're you're seeing a lot of success with some of these companies since COVID that did like, you know, even before COVID happened, you saw some, I think Microsoft did it where they they got rid of Fridays where mm-hmm. it's a four day four day work week where you're working longer hours and they found an increase in productivity. Mm-hmm. I think the average person who works the five, eight hour day shift I think it. I think it said two. You or just three fill hours. it up with fluff. Yeah, you're on. You're you're surfing social media instead. Yeah, when I'm when I'm writing or doing something like that requires me to sit down and be intense. If I get up and do a trigger session in you know every you know couple hours or whatever, mm-hmm. way more productive. Way more productive. Oh. I get way more done. So Especially it's like, when I'm stuck and, and, and I'm in a train of thought and I can't move forward or like I need to come up with something. I have to go for a walk and then it just, you know, it takes some time. Dude, but it comes movement movement uh, stimulates uh, creative thought. It 100% does. It does. Think about your best ideas. It also increases mood too. I mean, be- way better mood after you move around. Absolutely. Think about some of your best ideas. They usually come from you moving and yeah. then kind of being present. So you're there in the shower or you're walking and you're just kind of looking around not distracting like, oh man i got this idea or oh, I, I figured out this thing i don't know it's the not shitter's ha- pretty good for that too <laughs> <laughs> are you in the moment lots of brilliant yeah, ideas yeah, there yeah. are you in the moment when you're taking a poop yeah <laughs> uh, oh. pretty sure i started a few companies in there dude <laughs> adam this new company's the shit they weren't successful but yeah, yeah. you have no you have no idea sal yeah. they went right in the toilet but it's it, all good it is the shit yeah next question is from ali greenway is counting your weekly calories just as effective as tracking your daily caloric intake? Yeah, to an extent, right? If it's extreme, like let's say your, <laughs> let's say your total weekly calories is fourteen thousand calories, you eat them all in one day, and the rest of the days you don't eat anything, <laughs> then probably not. Yeah. But here's why I like weekly calories over daily calories. It mimics real life more. So what I mean by that is. Real life, you don't eat the same exact macros and calories every single day. That's how bodybuilders right. and competitors eat, and it's very monotonous. It's not a great it's relationship. It's way more neurotic that way too. Totally, to keep tracking every single day, and and you know, yeah, yeah, this does allow for a little bit of spillover, and and you know, you'd have a little bit more of a high day, a little bit more of a low day, but I mean, you got to be definitely paying attention. Still, it's going to add up. At the end yeah, of the I like it better. I like it better. I like having high days and low days. Again, it mimics real life. I can listen to my. Hunger cues, my energy. I can read my body. Flexibility. Yeah, someday. Oh, I'm gonna go. Oh, Saturdays, I like to go out to dinner with my wife. So that's a higher calorie day and whatever. If you do it like that, I think it's better both uh, behaviorally. I also think it's better metabolically. In my experience, I get better results when it's not the same every single day. Well, our our bodies and our metabolism existed before time and days and <laughs> weeks. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? True. So I mean, I, it's that's one of the things I always try and get my clients out of like. It, we have we've we've structured our whole lives around these schedules of Monday through Friday, and that these d- hours in a day, and like none of that stuff is. It's we made it up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before that, we had a metabolism, and we had things, and you still burn calories, right? It it doesn't know by a clock what, how you are going to burn or not burn. So I do like the idea of paying attention over over a week versus you know, being hung up on every single day, every single meal. It's just, honestly, though, the, the, the best answer to this is it's whatever works best for you. 
whatever one that you will do the most consistently, right? So if you're somebody who will be more consistent with paying attention to these things and actually watching it, tracking it, and you do better by just adding it up at the end of the week and then evaluating how much exercise you did and saying, oh, I'm in a surplus or I'm in a deficit, then by all means do that. If you're somebody who needs to hold yourself accountable on more of a daily basis, then I understand that also. So yeah. you could you could technically stretch this out for a month. You can go months yeah. at a time. You know, it's funny though. Physiologically speaking, they've done studies on bodybuilders have done this forever, but they've done now they have studies to support why bodybuilders have had this kind of experience where they compared people dieting, and one group did the same you know calories deficit consistently, and the other group had a deficit and then would have like a week or a few days where they'd eat more and then they go back to a deficit type of deal. Uh, kind of like bodybuilders refeed days or whatever. And they found that the people that that increased the calories every so often actually did better. They kept more muscle and burned more body fat. So physiologically speaking, there may be something there. I speak more of the behavioral aspect. I think it's superior for most people behaviorally and I think that's the most important thing to focus on anyway. Mm -hmm. Next question is from Sebastian Ortiz. How do I train for aesthetics while staying detached from my body image? Oh, yeah. This is a good one. You know, uh, it, it's you can't not do something. So in other words, you can't say to yourself, don't focus on aesthetics. Like, what does that look like? <laughs> Rather, take your focus and move it to something else. Do that first. And the most effective thing I've seen with clients and even with myself to get them to stop focusing so much on how they look is to focus on their performance. The reason why I like performance is it's objective. So you're either stronger, you're either can do more reps or you can't. It's also, now you can get obsessive in this direction too. However, for the most part, if you're getting stronger, more fit, you're doing a lot of things right, right? You're doing a lot of things right. Uh, you could lose weight and do a lot of things wrong, but getting stronger, more fit, Typically, you're doing things, most things right. So take your focus from aesthetics and focus purely on performance and uh, have some fun with that. And then from there, you can move to detachment. Now, do you not believe that you can be objective and pay attention to watching mm -hmm. yourself build or lose muscle too, though? How, how hard that is for I know, but I mean, I, I the, the reason why I want to bring that up is because I know we talk so much in this, like, always pushing people in this direction of, like, you know, don't focus on aesthetics, focus on performance, yet... When I was competing, I was not focused on performance. I was focused 100% on aesthetics. You're pretty, you're pretty just, advanced, though. I know. I, I know, but I, I, I don't want to make people think that they can't go work in that direction. Like, you you just you don't have to uh, – you can look at yourself in the mirror and objectively say, I've been working on my shoulders, and I can see they are more developed now. Yeah. You know, And I, because of the work that I put in, I have grown my shoulders by an extra inch or for every body part mm -hmm. and be objective about it and not identify with I am small or I am big or I am fat or I am skinny. Like, you are not those things, but you can objectively look at your physique and say – I went and I'm following Maps Aesthetic, and I picked my shoulders and my calves as my areas of focus. And I've been good on my diet, and I've been watching, and I can objectively say they grew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I yeah, don't, that's I, it's a, it's a, that's the next. I would say that would be the next step, right? Because when you can get to that point where you can look in the mirror and and say to yourself, "I've been treating my body good. I've been treating my body well. I've been taking care of myself. I can see the physical yeah. you know reality of that." Then you're doing great. The problem is uh, everybody identifies with well, most people do with how I was, they look. I was going to say some sort of in between of what you guys had, had mentioned in in terms of of following a very specific program to the T and trusting the process, but maybe not so much being neurotic about like checking in the mirror and and maybe not like incorporating that as a part of it. Just you know going through a really good. 
thought out program that it's not like uh, you're, you're in there trying to guesstimate, uh, you know, and really hyper focus on these body parts as much as you're doing all the work, you're putting in the work and then coming up, you know, in with a checkup, like at the end of the month and then, you know, starting to kind of bring that side in a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, the irony is right. The people that I've known who more consistently detach from body image are the super obese. Now they don't do it because they're, they're, they're being healthy about it. They do it rather because they're trying, they don't want to see the reality. Yeah, they're avoiding it. They're avoiding it. Yeah. Have you guys ever, I've, I've trained so many course, people. I've, I've had clients that have told me literally that said, Adam, I haven't looked in a mirror in five years. Yes. I know. I yeah. remember the first time I heard that, it yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I, wait a minute, you don't brush your teeth? No, I don't brush my yeah. teeth. I never, I don't have the lights on when I get yeah. undressed or dressed. Yeah. I yeah. do it in the dark and then I don't look in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. I heard that and, and I couldn't believe when I heard that, but it makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. I used to think to myself, how do you become 100 pounds overweight? Don't you see? You know, when you're getting there, no, they, they actually detach from it so effectively yeah. that they they've don't removed even, it. Yeah. They've completely yeah. removed it. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think there's a, a way you can do this and not. It, it, you just have to know that you're potentially playing with fire because most of us are driven to the gym by our insecurities. Yeah. So if you know that and you're aware of that, and then you're obsessing over the way your body is looking or not looking. Then yeah, this this is definitely uh, th- this is a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. But I also think that if you've been lifting for a long time and you're you're focused mainly on health, but you say, hey, you know what? I really want to challenge myself this year, and I'm gonna I want to build a body that mm-hmm. like I've you know I've I think I can do that. I think I can get abs. I think I can build these shoulders and these arms, and I'm gonna follow this and I'm gonna stay consistent and see what I can do. I think there is nothing wrong with doing that and being very objective about are you doing a good job or not going doing right. a job. Mm-hmm. Just don't allow yourself to identify with that that's who I am. I'm either weak or I'm small or I'm big or I'm buff or I'm not. It's just a result of have you been consistent with what you your plan that you put in place. Next question is from Silverall Training. Did you have any strategies in your personal training business to create efficiency or automation when working with and managing a lot of clients at once? Yeah, this is a good question, and because in some ways automation uh, improves your service and your value, and in other ways, I've seen trainers automate and it reduce mm-hmm. their their the value that they provide clients. So I think it's smart. If you want to be a really effective trainer, what I mean by effective is you you really change people's lives. You really get them to you know create a, a lifelong good relationship with exercise and nutrition. If that's what you want to do, you should automate the business side of what you're doing, which is managing their payments, managing you know when they're paying, their scheduling, that kind of stuff. But never ma- never automate their training or the nutrition because uh, then you lose the individualization and you lose the on the fly ability to manage and change as people's feelings and attitudes and lifestyle type of change. Mm-hmm. I've seen trainers automate everything yeah. and then it becomes nothing more than just a, well, I've seen your a program. couple different strategies. Like, you know, in order to be more efficient, a lot of times they'll end up doing um, small groups. They'll, they'll stack some of their clients together and try and, but you have to realize like, you know, just inevitably your, your service is going to go down just a bit because you're not hyper-focused on the individual. Like, like now you have a couple people to account for, you know, and it might work uh, for a while, but it just depends on, on your business model. Maybe, maybe that's part of your business model. Maybe, you know, even group training is something you're trying to lead into. I went the other direction. I went, I went in reducing and providing more value. And so, uh, you know, I started looking at the price point that I was putting out, you know, for each client. It, 
and that became sort of a barrier. So that way I could slow down a bit, provide better service. And then I got a better result for, out of my client because, you know, there's more buy-in and plus my business flourished. So I, I like the way that you, and I'd love you to explain how you did it. I, I love the way you charged your client because the traditional model is clients buy packages of sessions. So like, yeah. you know, 10 sessions for, you know, a thousand dollars or 20 sessions for whatever, but you did it so that they paid you monthly, right? Yeah, they paid they paid monthly a flat fee, uh, and basically, you know, I gave them two options, so that way they're either part time or they're full time, and so this requires them to commit uh, to any of scheduled you know days that that were marked in the calendar that they they show up or they don't show up. I'm going to be there, and if I'm not there, I'm paying them back, or I'm like you know prorating it or whatever that is, but. Uh, it, it takes the accountability, it puts it back on the client, and that way too, I can be, I can have consistent revenue each month that you know I can account for. So, so part time would be like I pay this much, but and I can come see you two days a week. Full time, right. I pay it's this like much. two to three times per week versus full time was you know I was going up with uh, four so to I five think, times. I think I think that's really really brilliant. So um, I love this question, um, and there's been like several things in my career that I think I got better at as far as my organization and how do I manage so many, you know, scaling up on how many clients from 10 to 20 to 30 plus. Um, the best thing that I ever did, and it took me a long, this wasn't even that long ago. It was just shortly before Mind Pump started. Did I really get this? And the reason why I was able to do this is because we are now, and this is why I love all the tools and the apps and things like that. Now, to Sal's point, I agree, fully automating some things like that that just they need a personal touch are are so are so important. And you may, you know, you may decrease the value in in your service if you try and automate everything. But what I used to do as a trainer is I used to do all the legwork, the, the tracking, the writing down, the, you know, I was the one doing all that. And I flipped that on its head towards the end of my career where I began holding them responsible to deliver all that information to me. That was a huge game changer for me as far as time suck. It also weeded out the not serious clients. Mm -hmm. If you were not willing to weigh yourself in the morning at night, you were not willing to add, put your food in your, in your food app every single night, if you were not willing to track your steps every single day for me and you log all of that information and then deliver it to me, then you weren't, I wasn't going to train you. If you did all those things, it made my job extremely easy. Then I, all I had to do was sit down, assess in a week, see where, where her weight has gone up or down and what she exactly ate, look at her food logs. And then we could, in one session, I could critique that entire week. I could educate and teach. I can drive the programming from there. Do I need to increase intensity? Do I need to lower it and modify it? Do I need to increase steps from there? Do I need to bump up her calories? And she had to do all the tracking for me. I didn't do any of it, and you bring it to me. And then that allowed me to take on way more people than the old version where I'm writing everything down, I'm measuring everything, I'm weighing and doing all these things. I'm the one who's like writing the diets out and the plans out. Like, nah, I got away from all that. When we talked on the podcast a long time ago, I talked about how. I used to make clients track their food for a week or two before I would even start their their session with them. That was first to get, are you even serious enough to track your food for a week if you're even considering working with me? And a lot of people, honestly, that weeds out like 50%. Yeah. 
50% of the people won't even, and I always know they're not that serious. It's like, I'm not even charging you yet, and I can't even get you to write out your food for a week, and you're telling me you really want to learn and you really want to figure this out? Like, no, that client's going to cause, is going to be so much work for me to try and help them if they can't even help themselves for the first week. So that right there really, really helped now me. Now, this, this speaks to the experienced trainer who has a lot of value and has the ability to still have a business while weeding people out, right? Right. Now the new trainer might not have that luxury, that's, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. That's why a question like this. I like a question like this, but you have to understand. There's, there's that's why I met. There's because yeah, when you first started, yeah, you, you I, took everybody. I took, I took everybody. Yeah. I took every. It didn't matter the time. Made me become more efficient. Didn't matter how inconsistent you were. I need. I needed the experience. I mm -hmm. needed to build my book, and that, and and that's a good thing too, right? Like if you're just getting started as a trainer, you don't want to come off as pompous and like, oh, I only take the yeah. serious people. Yeah, it's you like, don't know what you're doing anyway. Yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're doing anyways. <laughs> you need practice. You need practice. You need headache. You need all yeah. that bullshit. You know, like Gary Vee says, eat shit for nine years. Yep. Go through all that process for a while. Then when you get that down, then you can start to do things like this where you, like Justin, move to a super high class, oh. people that are spending top that dollar. That did not happen for a while. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. do yeah. that in year one. <laughs> I took everybody for years. Yeah, year and, one, yeah. you can't say, oh, you can only work with me if you have five or seven no. grand budget a month. Like, yeah, get yeah, out of here. No, 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 Not a lot of trainers can do that. You got to wait till you figure it out. You get the timing. You, you know all the nuances involved. Involved, uh, and then you you start looking back at what what's going to benefit my business the most. How can I structure that? How can I get buy in from you know potential new new prospects? And 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 then you go from there. Well, I I do believe though, even if you're a new trainer, you can move in the direction that I'm talking about. You just might be a little more flexible on still taking somebody, right? Sure. So maybe where I'm more of a hard ass from saying, so sorry, I'm not even going to take you. Maybe you still take them and try and move and move them along and you learn from them and they learn from you. Yeah. But you definitely can, I mean, we have all these tools now. It's not that expensive to get something that tracks your steps. Mm -hmm. There is MyFitnessPal, FatSecret apps that are super easy to use. Most everybody has access to like a scale. I mean, we all can text back and forth so easily. So we can now, and this wasn't like this, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have all this. We, we had binders and files and we had to write everything down. Like a lot of this stuff can be tracked right in your phone and you should, you put a lot of the responsibility because here's the deal. Well, they learn from it. Well, they, and they also have to do this the rest of their life. Yeah. If they got to do this the rest of their life at one point or another, they got to learn to start doing this. Yeah. Shit. And what you mean by the rest of your life, by the way, for listeners who are like, oh my God, I have to add my food up every single, no, 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 no. You do for, you do at first to learn what's in food. After a little while though, you can Tell what's in the chicken breast That's and right. know where you're getting your carbs. And you can, it's just yeah, to you bring. You have to have a baseline first. Yeah, it's just, you're going to school for a little while. That's right? right. Yeah, my strategy was a little bit different towards the end. I, similar though, right? Uh, I still took almost anybody who, who wanted to hire me, but if they weren't consistent, didn't show up, I just took them off the schedule. And I'd tell them that. I'd say, look, here's the deal. You missed two workouts. Um, it seems like it's real tough for you to, to show up right now. So I'm going to take you off the schedule. But you, because I have other people I can put I can put in that time. You let me know when you're ready to come back, and that usually would weed people out, or they would start to show up and be a little more consistent. The reason why that was my strategy was I tried to meet people where they were because I found that I actually found success when I would get the occasional client who didn't want to do anything else but show up once a week. I don't want to do anything else, but I'll show up once a week. And over time, I had a few clients that I did this with. Over time, they came two days a week, three days a week, did it on their own. And then they started to really make those changes. But yeah, if you're showing those signs of whatever, um, obviously, I'm not going to waste my time. And so I just say, well, okay, you know, I used to do that. I text them. Listen, you know, you missed another workout or 20 minutes late. I'm going to take you off the schedule. Uh, you know, let me know. I'm going to put someone else there. You let me know when you're ready to come back. And 
Usually they would come back. Sometimes I'd never hear from them again, in which case, you know, you're weeding them out. Look, if you like this podcast and you like our information, you have to head over to mindpumpfree.com and check out all of our written guides. We have guides on almost everything from building your arms to your butt to burning body fat, uh, even for personal trainers. We have guides for personal trainers, all of them found at mindpumpfree.com. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find Justin at mindpumpjustin. Me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.